for me, it was affirming. I was like, great, I'm not the only one who feels like we need to talk about climate change. Yes, we need to act on climate, but we also have to talk about it. All right, here we go. All right, so this is our full, full, this third take three. <laughs> Episode 001. Welcome to the Climate Workshop Podcast. I'm Peter Bowden. And I'm Tim DeChristopher. We're here working through the challenges of the climate crisis from the uncharted to the unthinkable. Where are we going to start? Well, this podcast is all about the work that needs to be done to address the climate crisis, whether that's personal or spiritual or physical out in the world. Um, So why don't you tell us where your work on the climate crisis started? All right. Going back five years ago, Bill McKibben and 350.org did this big educational tour about climate change, the do the math tour. So it's like multimedia, different speakers, music, all kinds of things, just to like get people to show up and get like the reality check and then fired up to act. So I went to the do the math tour in Boston. And so there may be 2000 people in this big theater and doing you know, all their things about how we have to keep 80% of our fossil fuels in the ground that we have already. And you know, all this stuff. And, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm down with the, the, the facts. But then Bill McKibben scared me because he's up there and they're, they're showing videos and things about what we have to do. And then he says, like, and I don't know if we're going to do it. That's a good Bill McKibben. <laughs> so I love you, Bill. Um, he's like, I don't, you know, and we're doing this. He's talking about divestment and the growth in those campaigns. And he's like, I don't know if it's enough. And I just remember the blood draining out of my face. Mm. That's something he's been saying for a while. Like this, uh, you know, 2010, his book, Earth, with an extra A in it, was really trying to to drill that home for folks. that, uh, That in some ways, at some levels, it is too late to stop the climate crisis. And that we're going to be living on a different Earth, a different planet. Um, and and there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, but we also need to get ready for a very different kind of world. And that was a really radical message at the time. That's a significant thing to say, all right, we are at the point where major impacts are locked in. And one thing I hope we'll talk about later on is how do we choose to be human in the face of that? But in that moment, I'm sitting in the theater, I'm like, are the, are the organizations that I'm kind of helping do more are they doing enough? I'm like, no, because I'm aware of what they're doing. Not enough. And so I'm like, all right, I've got, I've got to step it up. And so their pitch was get involved in your local 350 chapter. So like a few days later, I go to the local 350 mass chapter. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm finally going to get the chance to talk about climate change and be with other people who are discussing the reality of the situation and what we have to do. And they broke us into small groups and wanted us to basically work on how to reorganize the the structure of the organization. So it's basically like, you know, like committee work. Mm. And I'm like, no. So we get in the small group and the facilitator who you know, I know, know well now is a great guy. He starts the, sh- the, the intro on like what our goal is. And like we have 
know, a flip chart marker and a piece of easel paper. And I'm like, no, no, we're just going to get into committee work. And I said, I stopped him. I said, I'm so, I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to you know, step on what your facilitation is supposed to be about, but. So you're the disruptive guy. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, I just feel like I at least personally need to share a little bit about like how I came, like just speak to we're here following the do the math tour. For me, this is the first climate action I've taken. And, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah. Can we talk? Can we talk? And, and he said, well, all right, quick, quick. Just, and so I said, <laughs> so I said, all right, I'll take it. And I said, just, you know, just very briefly, cause we want to respect the, the process. Can you just share your name and how you came to be here? And the thing I remember is there's this guy who's like in his fifties, maybe. And he said, all right, I'm an attorney for a prestigious law firm in Boston. And I'm here, and, and he starts getting a little choked up. And he said, I'm here because, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Bring it on. He's like, because my wife won't allow me to talk about climate change at home because it freaks her out so much. Like, mm -hmm. I'm banned. Like, I like, I like, I read climate change articles on my iPad in the bathroom because that's the only place where I can do it at home. And for me, it was affirming. I was like, great. I'm not the only one who feels like we have to talk about climate. I mean, yes, we have to act, but those of us who are just getting involved, we need to talk about it. As, as someone new trying to get involved, there weren't places where those conversations were happening. And I would go and show up to local climate actions but they're like come here and hold banners like you know obama stop the keystone xl and we're doing this and we're walking and there's there's no process at those actions for talking mm -hmm. like people know each other but like it's very outcome oriented like we need to be here and stand here do this do that so even though i was starting to show up at some of these actions uh we weren't talking. But it's one thing that I've noticed over time as I've gotten connected to more and more organizations and individuals working professionally with climate is that they're always stunned when I share that I know a lot of people who are concerned about climate who have no one to talk to about it. Because the reality is when you become professional, you almost always have friends who are professionals yeah. working with climate. So you have a peer community. You have people coming together and you know organizing actions together, you know being social together because you have similar lives. And so professional activists and nonprofit leaders and others, uh, they have a peer community, a support structure where they're actively engaging in ongoing learning, strategizing, processing emotions, and basically the small group support structure that allows you to handle all that yeah. but the masses no and you know those studies about how to communicate climate change i think are part of why we keep seeing that kind of situation where there's not space to talk about it in an open-ended way you know i think there's a lot of reasons for that but but one is that the studies around communication and and sort of the the group of experts and consultants that that say this is the effective way to get through to people about climate change are all push folks in a certain direction that, that says that the conversation needs to be contained in a certain way and that um, 
that it needs to not be too scary, um, that it needs to be optimistic, that you need to have clear things for people to do. Just the um, right kind of fear to get people motivated. Right, but yeah. not too much. And sometimes, right. like, it's not even that. Sometimes all the fear is swept off the table. Um, and, you know, and I think there's a lot of problems with those with those studies. Like, um, you know, I think it's easy for folks who, when when generally talking about climate change, are like, I'm the side that believes in the science, you know, and, and obviously, like, there are opponents who dismiss science. And so they're like, well, there's science coming out about social science, about how people learn about climate change. And so I have to, like, be the champion of the science um, without realizing that, like, there's orders of magnitude way less science on the social science side of things than there is about the physics of climate change. And, and that that social science is far less uncertain and that... And, and what we're talking about there in terms of like what's going on in the human brain mm-hmm. is far more diverse than when we're talking about like what's going on with chemicals in the atmosphere. Like we, we can say with relative certainty how chemicals operate in reaction to one another right. in the atmosphere. Whereas the way that human brains interact with each other through words is not like this is the one way people react to, to this word. It's incredibly diverse based yeah. on the diversity of people. And the impact of a person's community, who's communicating at them, who they're talking to, what the context of their life looks like. Right. Yeah. You know, and and that context is what's often missing from these studies where, you know, they they literally will bring people into a lab, give give one group a certain messaging, give another group a different kind of messaging, and poll them at the end of a half an hour about where they feel more motivated, you know, which they believe more firmly. But that kind of very limited reaction of how people are going to respond to a survey has nothing to do with what's actually necessary to tackle the climate crisis, which is a lot of involvement. It's just people checking a box on a survey is not going to solve the climate crisis. How do you do a study that looks at, (laughs) how do you help people be healthy, engaged, leading healthy lives, and being totally engaged in mm-hmm. the climate movement, at least as much as their life and work allows for. You could start from the perspective that, that this is a process, that people go through their own process. And so rather than study messaging and talking points, you'd study process right. and, and what that process looks like for different people. And you'd look at what needs to be done and like what does it look like when people are taking this seriously and doing the work that needs to be done to address the climate crisis and you'd be not just like talking to random people that come in for the twenty dollar research fee respond or to your ad in the bus right yeah. what's necessary is for people to really give of themselves to make sacrifices to take risks to be vulnerable, to commit a huge amount of their time, to shift their lives in huge ways. And so I think if we were serious about doing those social science studies about how to communicate climate change, we'd be looking at the people that are taking it seriously. If we if we did studies that looked at the scientists that are absolutely committed to understanding climate change, at the activists that are, are risking their lives and committing their lives, to doing something about it, at the advocates, at the educators, the journalists, you know, all the people that are doing the things that are necessary to do something about climate change and did quantitative and qualitative studies about right. what has motivated them, what has been the messaging that really inspired them or really pushed them into the action that they're in. 
have you ever felt right. despair? Have you ever felt like you were paralyzed and helpless? Have you ever felt overwhelmed? I think, one, I suspect we'd find a more diverse range mm-hmm. of, of motivations and effective communication. And I think we'd also have to realize that, that this is a process, that it's not just about the way people felt five minutes after they heard a certain talking point or, or message, but it's about a process that might have involved a period where they felt overwhelmed or paralyzed, which is often the fear that, like so often folks say, well, if you tell people how bad climate change really is, you're just going to scare them into paralysis, as if like that's the end of the line. But, but it's not. You know, as somebody who has continued to evolve in my understanding and grappling with climate change over the past decade, it's, it's an ongoing process. And yeah, there have been periods where I felt overwhelmed. Yeah, there have mm-hmm. been periods where I felt despair or where I felt paralyzed and didn't know what to do. But that's, that's part of the process. And, the, and those aren't necessarily a bad thing because it's, it's how you learn to move forward then. Realizing how complicated the process is of people getting involved and engaging with climate. What role has community played in your process? For, for me, the, the role of, of community was, was realizing that other people are feeling this too. And those feelings that I was having of being in despair or being overwhelmed or being angry, it, it helped me realize those don't mean that I'm crazy. Those don't mean mm-hmm. that there's something wrong with me, but that other people are feeling that too. And that's a valuable thing to realize. And that's, that's part of the reason why I feel like the conversation around climate change can't be so constricted where we say this is the one right way to talk about it. Because there are people who are at all different stages of that process and people who are reacting to it in all different ways. And t- climate change is itself such a big, broad issue that impacts so much that people could be reacting and feeling all different sorts of things. And so if, if you're feeling something strongly, there's a decent chance that somebody else is feeling that too and needs to be validated in what they're feeling and needs to know that there are other people who feel that. And, and that's a big part of, of empowerment. Right, and we've talked about one of the things we want to do through these conversations is affirm the process, the complexity of the different issues, the feelings people are having, so that we can all show up to the conversation in an authentic way. Yeah, that none of these podcasts that we're doing are ever going to be the end of the conversation. It's always going to be an ongoing conversation. You know, we're always going to be continuing to learn where we're going here and and continuing to to see what's effective and some things will resonate with some people and some things won't but you know in my experience something i've learned about communication is that that people can tell the difference between somebody who's authentically expressing their own truth even if they disagree with where that person is or what they believe somebody can tell the difference between authenticity and someone regurgitating talking points you know and and that to me is part of what's wrong with expert advice about the right way to communicate climate change, that if repeating focus group tested messaging was actually an effective way of getting through to people, we would have a President Clinton right now. Right. Because that's what she did. She did it better than anybody. She listened to exactly what the experts said is the right talking points that's been focus group approved. And, you know, look at where we're at today. We're we're not moving forward together. Right. Because (laughs) nobody trusted her. You know, people could tell the difference. People forgetting the emotional dimension. Right, yeah. right. And even people who might have agreed with the words that were coming out of her mouth, the policy positions that she was taking, didn't trust that 
that she was speaking authentically and and so felt a disconnect and that, that authenticity is i think the most important element of communication and it's not something that can be faked and so how do you think like if you were to articulate you know as a movement but also how we through this podcast want to be talking about climate change how do we need to be doing that like what's most helpful well i mean i think to me the big points are do we need to be talking about it authentically and honestly we need to be talking about it humbly realizing mm-hmm. that that people are going through their own process um as are we and and we need to be talking about it with our full humanity right like realizing that this is not just a technical problem or a political problem or an economic problem is it's all those things but it's also a spiritual problem it's a cultural problem it's a social problem and and we need to bring all of those aspects into the conversation even even when we're actively working on say a policy campaign and we're like trying to get things done in the political realm we still need to realize that all the people that we're working with in this are bringing all of those other realms right. because we're all human beings so to to me those are the the big ways that that we need to be talking about this and and part of what we're trying to do here on the climate workshop podcast is um is have those kinds of of conversations um and and approaching this with that honesty and humility and humanity whatever people might be really feeling or focusing on or super concerned about around climate change you know whether that's something that we're told is the right way to talk about it, the right issue to focus on or not, I think it's worth sharing those stories, you know, that if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's worth saying that to people, like whether that's a big crowd of people or whether that's just one friend in your life, it's worth saying. And that's part of why we always need a bigger movement where more voices are brought to the table where people from diverse backgrounds are are lifted up and and brought into the conversation because different messages are going to resonate with different people we've been talking about authenticity in terms of you know, community and the process of some somebody an individual coming to terms with climate and becoming more and more engaged in the movement where do you see authenticity playing out in the larger movement in terms of actions, campaigns, the work other mm-hmm. organizations are doing? Yeah, I mean, you see authentic expression sometimes with the actual words that people are saying when you can tell, like, wow, that's really what someone's feeling. Like when somebody is expressing anger, and, you know, we see that with marginalized voices that have been excluded from the climate movement, raising their voices in, in anger. And and part of the reason that resonates is because folks often realize, oh, that's that's authentic. That's real. But I think we also see authentic expression through people's actions. And that's where I've often talked about how civil disobedience is some of the most effective education that we can do because through our own vulnerability, we show how authentically concerned we are about this crisis. Like it's, it's where our actions say, this is serious enough that I'm willing to put myself in harm's way in order to do something about it. And that's just what we, that's one of the ways that we have come to, to understand authenticity. You know, we talk about walking your talk. 
and you know like if your actions meet your match your words and so that's that's always got to be a piece of it saying what you actually feel about climate change is is great mm-hmm. but if you keep talking for long enough without actually acting people are going to know you're full of shit right and and that's that's part of the crisis of legitimacy that that a lot of our loudest voices on climate change suffer from. And, and for our listeners who don't know, you disrupted an oil and gas auction that resulted in your going to prison. You know, we haven't talked too much about your backstory, but right. But I mean, that's that's part of what gave me a voice was being willing to take that action was what made people listen to what I had to say. You know, and I think, and part of what we're trying to do here with this podcast as we start bringing guests on is, you know, definitely bringing on people who have insightful ideas, but also people who have have put those ideas into action mm-hmm. and and have demonstrated their authenticity with with their own commitment to actually doing the work. Thanks for joining us this time, and hopefully you stick with this conversation at the Climate Workshop. Our music is by Brian K. Hall. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Climate Workshop. The Climate Workshop podcast is solely supported by our community of listeners. Using Patreon, the membership site for content creators, go to climateworkshop.org and click Become a Patron. We appreciate your support. Still a light that flickers is a light that still burns on. A light that flickers is a light that still burns on. I take care of the spark, but baby, won't you lend your pretty little palm just to shoot it from the wind? And honey, baby, maybe this light will be burning long. Woo-hoo.